Father, this morning, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your people. God, your goodness in our lives. Lord, that, that you are actively touching lives, unlocking, Lord, future, that you are speaking to people and stirring the waters of our heart, even this morning. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that the spirit of revelation would, would help us to see clearly, Lord, and that you would grant us wisdom as well. Lord, that you would impart a spirit of wisdom today, that you would unlock, Lord, the ability to, to walk with you in intimacy and truly know you, Father. God, I thank you for this, and I just bless our time together right now. We consecrate it unto you in Jesus' mighty name. If you agreed with that, you said, amen, amen. Uh, we have a walnut tree, a black walnut tree to be exact in our side yard. Now, it's a monster of a tree. This thing is big. It's been there long before we ever got to the neighborhood. Uh, you know, you can't reach around it. It's, you know, I, I don't know how many feet in diameter, but it's a big tree. Limbs reaching out, stretching to the heavens. Beautiful, really, truly, this beautiful tree. Uh, but black walnuts gather and create their own ecosystem. Anybody have black walnut trees in their yard? If you have, you understand this because black walnut trees gather little vermin called squirrels. And ours evidently got, the word got out that this is a blessed walnut tree. And we have, I mean, it is, it is incredible. The, the menagerie of wildlife that gathers in my backyard. Okay, we... we just hundreds, hundreds of squirrels. And, and there are the gray ones that hop around, the big bushy tails, and they're cute, and, and don't seem to bother anybody. And then there are the red ones, little, little demon squirrels. <laughs> Those things, they, they are aggressive. They fight all the time. They're always fighting and squabbling. When my family goes outside, they scream at us from the trees. Chirping away, you know, yelling at us. Like, what are you doing in our yard? Seriously. Those little red squirrels working all the time, tirelessly, never stop. They're always gathering the, the, the black walnuts. And, 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 and they don't, like, like, do it in a neat way. They, they take the black walnuts and they'll go to pieces of pavement and they'll crack them open and they'll leave the, the husk there that turns into a black dye. So if you ever come over to my house, you will see our, our driveway, our sidewalks, everything's littered with these black dots everywhere. Like you can't stop it. Not only are they rude like this, never cleaning up after themselves, but, but literally they'll, they'll, they're so bold. They come right up to the front door They'll look at Nicole and I, and true story, we'll be sitting on the porch. They'll walk right up to us. They'll slam a walnut into the ground, scream at us, break it open, leave the husk, take the walnut, and like, just run away. Black walnuts are poisonous. Did you know that? They do not allow other trees to grow. They poison the ground. So that the only thing that will grow around them is that type of tree. And so you have walnut groves of trees with nothing else growing around them because they poison the soil. They also poison animals, other animals. I don't know why they don't poison the red squirrels. That would be nice, but they don't. We had a dog that, that got a hold of one of these ones. It was a puppy, ate it, and ended up in the hospital for days. Like, it's this, they create their own ecosystem. We have a limb that reaches up over to our house, and for a little bit of time there, we had the squirrels making our house their home, getting into the attic, storing nuts for the winter, and just made a huge mess of it. The seeds of this tree were creating its own sense of atmosphere, 
the seeds of this tree were poisoning the soil in such a way that the only thing that could gather around it were other poisonous trees. The seeds were gathering little demon squirrels and creating a context where nothing else of good fruit, if you will, could be born. I want to tell you today that every decision that you make is like a seed. And every choice that you make plants a seed in the ground. God is not mocked. What a man sows, he shall reap. If you don't like the atmosphere that is continuing to gather around you, you might want to check what kind of seeds you're sowing into your soil. Anybody alive this morning? I'm here today to encourage us that the Father in heaven loves you so much, and he's trying to impart wisdom to you. Everybody say wisdom. He's trying to impart wisdom to you so that when you go to make decisions, it will be his kingdom, his rule, and his reign, his influence that begins to bear fruit in your life. The point of this sermon today is to challenge our hearts a little bit, to reveal, to look a little bit deeper, and understand that every choice is carrying ramifications. And if you take some time and you think about decisions, you can sort of predict what will happen. But so often, there is a mystery because we'll feel like we're doing God's will, but then it'll be difficult or the situation won't turn the way we want it to. And there's questions and often confusion around that sense of, I thought I was doing something right. I wonder why I'm reaping a harvest that has so much difficulty in it. Has anybody ever asked this question before? Come on, this morning we're going to challenge, but at the same time, you're going to come to understand just how much the Father loves you and is cheering you on. You ready for that? I want to pray again, this time just for your hearts. Would you just put a hand on your own heart? Father, right now I pray that you would speak, stir, move deeply in hearts today. Father, that they would be awakened to your goodness in a way that opens them up to receive your counsel that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of counsel and wisdom and might would empower them to make choices that transform the world around them. God, I thank you for this. I bless them today in Jesus' name. If you agreed with that, you said. Every decision matters. And it's not just the outcome of decisions. It's who was influencing the decision that you made. Where did it originate? The origination, the origin point, is what carries the DNA of what will be grown. If it's self-serving, the scripture calls the choice to go our own way sin. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were given this ability, this choice to walk with the Father in the garden to sow into the ground seeds, and it would bear fruit. Their calling, if you will, was to cultivate and to keep this garden. It's the same calling that God gives to you and I. Jesus restored it, that you and I have gardens. It's called our life. And that the Father is wanting you to make decisions that plant life-giving trees, life-giving fruit out of your life, to cultivate, to keep to grow in influence, to grow in your impact in this world. It's part of who you are. You were made for this, truly. Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, are tempted. They go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they're told, don't eat of that tree. God tells them, don't eat of that tree, for certainly in that day you'll die. Your eyes will be opened. You'll begin to discern evil and good the knowledge of good and evil. 
that there will be a consequence for eating of the tree. They're tempted, though. They go to the tree because they want to be like God. That's the temptation. Lucifer says to them, you'll become like God, knowing good from evil. The temptation is this. You will become a person who can make decisions up for themselves outside of the influence of the one who's trying to help you live your life, God. That's the temptation. You become a self-sustaining entity that does not need others. They look at the tree, and it's, they say, the scripture says, oh, it was good for making one wise. They recognize that if they ate of the tree, wisdom would be the result. They would know what to do. That's the definition of wisdom, to know what to do. You know the story. Adam and Eve reach out. They take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They eat it, and it says that their eyes are open immediately. The consequence is that their conscience comes alive unto themselves without connection from the Father. See, they were never lacking wisdom, were they? Because they were connected to a loving Father. Wisdom was always coming in relationship. When they reach and they eat the tree, suddenly they are awakened unto themselves. The scriptures call going your own way sin. That is what sin is. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. Sin is not the, here's the bad things, here's the good things. Don't do the bad things, just do the good things, then you didn't sin. That's not what sin is. It's not what sin is. Sin is going your own way. It's missing the mark. See, in the beginning, Adam and Eve were connected to the Father, and their life is rooted in going his way. When they reach out and they eat of the tree, suddenly they are making decisions for themselves. And it's scripture is very clear that from that point on, humanity begins to go its own way. Consequences in history are obvious. Like culture doesn't get better from this moment on. We have degrading, truly horrific, primitive cultures that are so destructive towards Certain people groups. We, we have outright butchery. We have slavery. We have types of evil that are against humanity in promotion of another group of people being in power. Look around the world today. Hasn't improved very much. We still do that because we continue to go our own way. Thanks be to Jesus who came, not born of Adam, but born of his father in heaven, but fully human through the Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit comes upon and she gives birth to a son, Jesus, who is not subject to his father's nature or Adam's nature, the conscience that was like a broken compass which would never choose God's way it'll always go its own way Christ Jesus lives his life in connection with the father lives his life unto the father we know he dies on a cross is put in the grave is raised from the dead Creating a new covenant, creating a way, a way to be connected to the Father outside of the law. See, humanity is not improving, and God calls a people out for himself through Abraham and Israel, and he begins to give them laws, laws that reveal just how busted they are. The scripture says that God gave the loss as a tutor to teach us, to show us that you can't do it on your own. You're never going to choose God's way, even if he makes it as obvious as thou shalt not. 
Doesn't matter how obvious it is, humanity would continue to fail. Are you alive? Why? Because, because our nature is to go its own way, born of Adam and Eve. The point is that when we ate of that tree, it actually caused change in humanity. Christ Jesus, however, dies on the cross, goes into the grave, comes out of the grave, having cut a new covenant in his blood, and provides a way because he fulfilled the law and the prophets so that as you receive his covenant, you now have right standing before the Father. I'm hoping you're following me. We're going someplace. Come on. So you have right standing before the Father outside of you having to perform the law. You have been declared righteous, not needing to fulfill the requirements of the law because they were fulfilled in Christ. Having by faith received his covenant, you are made right standing before the Father. Your nature, the choice thing, you always going your own way, because you have been baptized into Christ Jesus, the scripture says, through baptism, your old sinful nature was put in the grave. And that through baptism into Christ, when you come out of those waters, your old nature is removed and you are given newness of life. You're a brand new thing. Nothing like you has ever existed in history. Hmm. So if I'm free from the law of sin and death, and Christ came to set me free, to give me liberty. Liberty is the ability to choose. Choose your path. Choose your decisions. Adam and Eve got in trouble for going their own way. Jesus liberates you from the consequences of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and empowers you to make your choices. He set you free so that you could make decisions. But he set you free in a context that you would be connected to the Father who is the one who gives wisdom. You have been united with a father who wants to give you wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is a state of being. Wisdom is knowing what to do, but is the perfectionist of knowing what to do. It is the skill given to you, often learned through a process. It is imparted to you. The Father has wisdom. He knows how to help you become who he made you to be. He loves you so much that he sent his son so that you would be free from the obligations of sin. Free so that you can make decisions and become the tree that he caused you to be born into. You are called to bear fruit. You are called to become something. The fullness of your life is unique and powerful, and he's trying to coach you into this. Oh, somebody this morning, you need to catch what I'm saying. This heartbeat of a father He's not trying to modify your behavior. That's not what fathers do. Fathers are not those who modify behavior. Listen, I have eight children, and I know better than most that never, never, in all of their upbringing, never, never a single one of them have I been in control. Never. Even when they're littles. I'm not in control. They're doing their thing. As a father, my job isn't to control their behavior. My job is to coach them and help them to mature as sons and daughters. My job is to walk with them in connection and provide wisdom, not 
tell them what to do all the time, but rather impart wisdom so that they have the faculty and ability to make decisions for themselves that bring glory to their Father. Jesus set you free to be connected to a Father who wants to be a part of your life, truly. And if you'll receive wisdom from him, you will become mature. You'll produce good things. Your life will make impact. You will become the person God made you to be. And that thing right there, whoo, is that powerful. There's a passage of scripture. This is James chapter 1. We're going to go there right now. James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. James 1 verse 5. Okay, wisdom is defined as knowing what to do. Everybody repeat after me, knowing what to do. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he would receive anything from the Lord. I love this passage. It's amazing. If any of you lacks wisdom, have you ever had a situation where you're like, man, I don't know what to do? Okay, this is the prayer. It's a classic prayer, and it's also a confusing experience for believers. But today we're going to get unconfused. The confusion is this, is that we come to a situation we don't know what to do, and so the prayer goes up. We go, oh, God, what should I do? Yeah? Ever done that one? Oh, God. I call it the flare prayer. I'm in trouble. God, help me. I'm here, right here. God, help me. I don't know what to do. Ah, God will give you wisdom. It says generously. Generously like means he's going to heap it on. Now, let me clarify something. Wisdom is not revelation. Revelation has to do with information. Specific information that clarifies something. Wisdom is an invitation to a process in which you will learn. If you're looking for exacting knowledge, don't ask for wisdom. Because if you ask the Father for wisdom, he's going to give it to you generously. So there you are in a crisis. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. Oh, Lord, please give me wisdom so I know what to do. And it says, oh, that's like, like the father's golden buzzer. He just, you ask, who he's in. He's in every time. It says, without reproach to everyone. In other words, it doesn't even need to be a believer. It can be a non-believer. In fact, we have lots of stories of those. People who, who, who will hear them testify, they'll say, man, I was in a crisis point, I cried out to God, and something changed. That doesn't mean that they're a Christian, that makes them having encountered the reality that a father gives generously wisdom to anybody who asks. Okay? It's real. He gives it to everybody. Wisdom, however, is not specific information. Wisdom is a journey. It's an invitation to a process to learn, to grow, so that you know what to do, so that you are empowered to make decisions for yourself. So you go, oh, God, I don't know what to do. Please give me wisdom. And what does he do? He heaps on wonderful, life-changing experiences that you're going to learn from. Why? Why wouldn't a father in heaven just magically answer and tell you what to do? Because he wants mature sons and daughters. He wants you to grow in your maturity. He handled the sin thing. 
you're not trying to get it right. You're trying to become mature. I need to say that again over here, okay? The goal of your life is not behavior modification. He's not trying to make you perfect. He already made you perfect. He's trying to get you to become who he made you to be as a mature son and daughter. That means he's never going to take away the privilege of you making a decision. Hey, what do we want to eat tonight? I don't know. What do you want to eat? You ever ask that question? You're not asking for wisdom. You're asking for knowledge. Would you please just tell me what you desire to eat? I don't know what I want to eat. What do you want to eat? This is the God conversation. It's the God conversation. This is like, God, what do I do? And he says, I don't know. What would you like to do? Let's see if you've learned anything. Let's see if you've grown. What kind of decision are you going to make? Because every decision's got consequences to it, positive and negative, and you're going to learn something. And as long as you are in connection with your father, you will grow in wisdom and stature. You'll mature. Is there going to be conflict? Is there going to be difficult times? Yeah, it's called life. If you're trying to get out of that, die. Go to heaven. (laughs) I'm not trying to be flippant about this, but the goal isn't perfection in your behaviors. Parents, whoa, parents. Quick object lesson. I don't have time to teach on it. Good luck, okay? Here you go. (laughs) If you're trying behavior modification with your kids, you are going to be ever frustrated. Because never in that journey are you ever in control. And the goal isn't to conform them into your words. The goal is to help them to become. So when they make decisions, it reflects the nature of the household they grew up in. When they make decisions, they're mature. They're making them for themselves. Now, it doesn't mean that the beginning of their life, you're not like playing a much different role. Like the law was given as a tutor. We all need to grow up in maturity. So it's not that God won't ever tell you exactly what to do. He will sometimes. But if you keep going there, oh God, help me. Tell me exactly what to do. I'm going I'm to fast and pray until I get an answer. Do you know what that is? That's a temper tantrum. That's a temper tantrum. That's a, I'm a hunger strike until you tell me. No. Why would he answer that? You know, Proverbs 18 says this about people that pull away. They, they want, okay, hear me out. You all right? No, sorry. Stay, let's, let's all take a deep breath there. Just, the air went out of the room for a moment. Proverbs 18.1 says that somebody that steps away from community in order to make a decision, okay, they're seeking their own way. They're not pursuing wisdom. They're trying to do what they want to do. God calls us to grow in wisdom. He wants you to become mature. He wants you to have to wrestle through decisions. This is a process of growth. He's looking to your heart to see how you respond to adversity. How do you choose? This, is, this process is wonderful and transformational. It's not one to be avoided or sidestepped. It's one to embrace, to head right into Sometimes we ask the question of God because, frankly, there, there are, and, and I want to be sensitive and kind to, you know, it's probably like half of us in this room, you know, we need boundaries. We need a sense of purpose and clarity. Otherwise, we don't feel empowered to make decisions. There are just some personalities that, man, they're, they're not really geared to be in that judgment call thing. They just don't want to be. They want to be in a support role. They want to help others to succeed. And so they don't want to make those decisions. 
The problem with that is that you're going to stand before God one day and you're going to be judged for all your choices. And that person that you've been following ain't going to be standing there with you. This is part of growing up and becoming a child of God. It's part of the process. He's not looking for the right answer to come from you. He's looking for your answer. We ask the question, and sometimes our soul will talk right back to us, and that's a wonderful experience. I want to clarify something again, and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. By the way, you don't have to agree with me. You don't. Like, I am what you call an Enneagram. Anybody familiar with Enneagram? Okay. I'm an eight. Eights like to challenge things. I am looking for a fight. Always. It's how I grow. It's how I learn. I want you to argue. This is like, and let me tell you, sometimes the Holy Spirit tips the hat. And I'll actually hear what people are thinking in the room. I know that's weird. It happened to Jesus a lot. It'll happen sometimes. And that only provokes me. Because I'll like hear the argument and I'll go, oh, that's awesome. We should talk about that. <laughs> Just head right at it. So if you ever feel like I'm talking to you, I probably am. But if you're a little bit of a perfectionist, then you feel like you have to have the right answer. And so you'll wrestle with this concept. But this concept is trying to liberate your life, man. Because he wants you to grow. You're called to become. Like, there's more to you than you have ever let on. This church, this community, is supposed to be liberated where everybody, boom, we are growing. I'm not afraid of the challenges and different thought patterns because that's not why we're gathered. Ah. If you're stuck in that pattern of like, I need an exact answer, sometimes what happens is we'll ask God the question and we'll get an answer. There'll be like a, something bubbles out of us and it'll tell us what to do. Now, if you're approaching God for wisdom, but you get an exact answer, I would like to propose to you that you're hearing your own soul talk. You're not actually hearing God's voice. Doesn't matter. It's actually a good thing. Because the answer that comes out of your heart has been communing your soul. You have been in communion with the Holy Spirit of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, ever since you were born again. And so you've picked up quite a bit, and you have learned God's ways. And in that communion, you are coming up with answers. You're learning what pleases the Holy Spirit. That's the job. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to learn what pleases the Holy Spirit so that you're living your life in partnership with heaven. You're not a robot. He's not trying to get you to do specific things. That's control. He's not a God who controls. He's not micromanaging, and he's not trying to tell you everything that you are supposed to do. That would leave you out of it, and it would prevent him from judging your life one day. Because you can't make him give you an answer and then you be held responsible for it. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. Wrestle with it. Jesus died to set you free. Not to... We've gone over this in previous weeks, not to obey a lower-level systems and structures. No, you're liberated. Not to be prisoners, even to the law of sin and death. Don't get in the mode of trying to perfect the old covenant. Those who start down that path have to fulfill the whole thing. And the scriptures, Paul, the apostle Paul says, you're cursed. Don't do that. You're called to be free, which means the mind set on things above not on things below. Get connected to the Father, the source of wisdom. Listen, he wants to be in your business. Just start asking him for it, to participate. Don't close yourself off. Invite him in. The scripture says, look at this. This is verse 6. He must ask in faith without any doubting. Otherwise, he's tossed back and forth like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord. 
If you confuse wisdom with a piece of knowledge, like God, tell me exactly what you want me to do, versus Lord, teach me how to be like you so I make decisions like you, which is the goal of wisdom. If you confuse that, when you ask the question and an answer comes out of your heart, you'll be like, okay, I can't doubt. Okay, I had this thought. It's the right thought. Now I just have to hold to it. No doubting. Faith. You've done this? I know you've done this. I'm trying to help you out of this. Okay, no doubt. I definitely can't ask anybody about it because their opinions don't matter at this point. I've heard from God. I can't get input from the authorities that God's put in my life because I've heard from God and I don't want to have any doubt. So I can't get input from people who have been there, done that, walked with God in seasons that I haven't. I'm certainly not going to be able to be corrected because I have the God card. I heard from God. So you have no access to telling me what I heard. I heard from God. Although I will tell you it was probably just your soul and not God. Because wisdom invites correction. It wants to be corrected. Wisdom seeks to submit to authority. <laughs> In, thank you. Immaturity. Immaturity says, I want it my way, and I'm not interested in anything you have to bring to input. Which, by the way, fights the counsel of God. It fights it. Because God's wanting you to be connected in the parts of the body to have input. Because they have grace, you don't. We're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to walk in union. Not agreement, as in we all agreed. Okay? We're not going back to denominationalism. We're not here for that. We're here as trees, oaks of righteousness, a planting under the Lord, growing, rooted, bearing good fruit in season and out of season. And that requires you to walk in wisdom. So what am I not having to doubt? What am I supposed to do in faith? Because this says you've got to do this action in faith without doubting. Ah, just read the first verse. When you ask God for wisdom, know that you have a loving father that is about to get involved. When you are in a boardroom and you don't know how, what to do next, there's a decision, a financial decision, would you please, just in that moment, go, Father, I need your wisdom. Open your heart up. Receive. When you do that, do not doubt. Understand that as soon as you call out to the Father, he's going to get involved. As soon as you do it. In fact, he's going to get involved generously. He's going to jump right in, and suddenly you're going to find yourself learning lessons. It'll be awesome. That's different than trying to have all the right answers and get it right the first time. See, when, when we don't invite counsel, when we pull the God card, oh, nope, I heard from God, and then you don't allow others to speak in your life, the scripture says, nah, that's not godliness, that's selfishness. It's immaturity. That's a temper tantrum. I'm going to get my way. And you're trying to convince yourself that you heard from God. But that's why you're being tossed back and forth. That's why this is a confusing conversation. Because it's not what he's doing. He's inviting you into a process of connection where you're going to learn and you're going to grow and you're going to become mature so that you can make powerful decisions. Because that's what he's wanting. He's wanting mature sons that in their choice to do good, it reveals the glory of the one who is their father. Holy Spirit, would you just breathe on every heart right now? Breathe on every heart. Breathe on every heart, Father. Every decision we make is like a seed. It's planting something. When we make decisions that are connected to the Father, suddenly we see his rule and his reign begin to bear fruit in our lives. Remember that God is not Google.
is not an answer machine. You write into Google a question and it pops out an answer. Information. It's not who God is. He might give you information, but I will tell you that when you get a word of knowledge, that's specific information, when you get a piece of revelation, almost always it's an invitation to start a process where you're going to grow. If you get a piece of information about someone, that's not the whole story. That's just tipping the hat so that you ask questions and you get to know a person. There's always more to the story. We see in part, we prophesy in part. You never know all the information. So if you ever get information from God, he's not telling you the whole story. He's inviting you to draw close and ask questions. He's the God that hides gold in the rock and then goes, hey, there's gold in that mountain over there. He gives you information, but the process now is a journey of wisdom to grow, to be challenged, to become mature. The invitation is contained within it, but it's never the whole story. When we see people who only are pursuing revelation, because I know some of you right now are like, well, then I'm not going to ask for wisdom anymore. I just want the answer. So I'm just going to ask for revelation and knowledge. Let me remind you that the scripture also says, listen, he'll give you that stuff too. But that knowledge puffs up. It prevents you from becoming mature. It deceives you. Because you think you know something, but you don't have it in your life. Be like Solomon. Pray for wisdom. It's the God answer, the God pursuit. If you want to grow, if you want to become mature. By the way, we're supposed to become like Christ the mature, full version of him. That's the goal. Anybody there yet? Okay, a couple, couple more weeks. We'll just keep working on it. That'll be great. <laughs> Let me read a value statement to you, and we'll see how we do here. The Lord set us free from the law and the obligations of it. He did so through Christ Jesus. You've become the righteousness of God. You're not trying to earn it with your choices. You are it. He's drawn you into communion and connection now with the Father. Jesus consumed the old nature. He hung on the very tree that cursed us. Okay? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not available anymore. Jesus consumed it for you. We're called to walk in connectedness with the Father. This means the goal of your salvation is not behavior modification but rather becoming mature sons and daughters who are able to make decisions for themselves just as if their father was doing it with them. I said this before, I have eight kids and I am immensely proud of them. Immensely. It's not that they always behave. Nope. It's not why I'm proud of them. Although they do a good job. It's not that they're always doing what I would have them do. In fact, I have found that they are their own little people and that they have opinions and thoughts. And, and in conversation and connectedness, as a father, I am able to counsel them in wisdom. And as they mature, our conversations become deeper and they become, I, I'm not trying to control them. I'm trying to help them to become who God made them to be, which means they're going to have to start answering questions for themselves. Friends, the Father set you free so that you could become. So don't seek after Systems that answer all your questions. Don't seek after always knowing before you make a choice. Be okay. I want to take the pressure off you today. Would you please just take the journey? Make some powerful decisions and then own them. What if it's the wrong decision, Pastor Jamie? You know what? I bet we're going to figure that out. What's amazing, and this is my fathering journey, it's not all of ours. I understand that. And we carry baggage into our relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
Like how you were related to your father perhaps has colored your relationship with the Heavenly Father. How I have discovered this experience in my own home, I realize that when they come to conclusions and they make decisions, even if I go, oh, I can kind of see how there's going to be some consequences in their decision. I still let them make the choice. The reason is because I am not going to pull back in relationship. I am their father, which means I'm going to stay in connection with them even though they're on a journey. And so when they make a decision that has consequences, guess who's going to be there with them? Who will never leave you or forsake you. It doesn't mean you're making all the right decisions. Because lots of us have made decisions that have consequences. Listen, morality decisions all have consequences. Choices lead to things. It's seeds. You're putting them in the ground. There's consequences. But if you will invite your father into it, not be afraid, learning, growing, being corrected, letting him talk to you, lead you, then I can promise you this. We're going to get where you're supposed to go. The old GPSs, remember those things you would buy them? I don't know it's on everybody's phone, but the old ones, you'd mount in your car, and they would talk to you, right? Burn left at the next stop sign. You know, like some weird, like, programmable voice. I remember this, though, because this, this story reminds me and helps me to, to, to reorient myself. Like, my Heavenly Father's a lot like that GPS I'm driving down the road, and there I'm going, and I'm not paying attention to it, and oh, I missed a turn. The GPS does not start into me. Well, I told you so. You missed a turn. No, it's, it says he, does, he gives generously without reproach. That means you don't have to feel bad about not knowing. He's on the journey with you. No, instead, what it does is it says recalculating. Recalculating and plots the next turn so that you can get where you're supposed to go. Invite the Father into your life. Discuss things with him. Pray. Like, you got decisions to make? Every decision that you make that is connected to your relationship with the Father, those decisions are planting seeds that advance the kingdom. Because his rule and reign get upon those things, and the DNA emerges eventually. Just invite him in. You're not trying to live a perfect life. You're trying to be connected. Life, love, he's so wise, he will help you. He's on your side. There's no reason to be afraid of him. It's not up there with a big stick waiting for you to mess up. That's not how it is. So if you're here today and you got off course, you've made some decisions, life decisions, choices in your life, man, listen, God made you. He created you. He knows who you are. You should ask him about that. Don't get confused on identity. Ask him about it. Let your father speak in him. Let him. You know what? You might need to hear recalculating. Yeah, we got some decisions to make so that we can get on course. Okay. It's a good thing you're surrounded by people that are on the same journey. We're cheering you on. You can do it. You alive today? Come on, would you stand to your feet? There you go. One or two golf claps. Love it. No, no. Ah, no, come on. It's too late. Too late. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. He loves you. The Father loves you so much. The Father loves you so much. Just again, put a hand on your own heart. Lord, we're here today gathered in your presence. Not here because we agree. Nope. We're not here because we believe and are the, the ones who are thinking exactly the same things. It's not why we're gathered. We're gathered in your presence because we are kids. And Father, you're teaching us how to grow and to learn how to submit to authority and learn how to make choices that glorify you. And 
We're so thankful for the journey. God, I'm so thankful. Thank you for leading me into situations where I had to learn through difficulty. Thank you. Can you give thanks for that in your life? Listen, I prayed and asked God what to do, and I felt like I was supposed to go into the military. So I went into the military, and it ended up being the greatest gift of God to me. Why? Because my will got challenged. Because I had to learn how to submit to authority I did not agree with. Praise Jesus, because I was a mess otherwise. Y'all, don't be afraid of difficulty. Just invite the Father into it. He wants to teach you. He wants to help you. He wants to cause you to grow, to become. Don't be a black walnut tree. Don't sow poisonous fruit that only people that are bitter can gather around you. Let the Lord, let the Lord affect your heart. Lord, we invite you in today. Father, we want to know you. We want to know you, Father. We want to become people you've made us to be, sons and daughters of God Most High. So, Lord, I pray today, Holy Father, would you liberate the hearts and minds? Set us free, God. Lord, the one that's been far away and is returning today in their heart, Lord, would you wash them clean and forgive them? Set them on a right path, Lord. Restore a right spirit within them. Awaken them, Lord. The one that's hardened and far away and like a prodigal son, Lord, I pray this morning that you would awaken them, that they would suddenly come to themselves and remember that their father's household has food and they should return home. Lord, awaken the prodigals. Awaken them, Lord. And then, Father, I pray also that you would help, help us, help this community, Lord. Give us grace, Lord, that we might be able to humble ourselves and submit to one another, hear input and grow and be challenged and change. We might become who you made us to be as a community, Lord. God, I thank you for that. Now, I bless your people today. Man, people become world-changing champions. Become who God made you to be. I bless you today. May the fullness of all that God has intended, may it come upon your life. May you walk in it. May you become mature and wise. May a counsel, the spirit of counsel and might, come upon you powerfully. Father, I thank you for this. I bless your people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face and countenance be towards you. May he be gracious to you and grant you peace. Decree these things in Jesus' mighty name. And anybody who dared to agree with these things said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning?